Guy here from the Blood Red team. Hope you're all well and sorry to interrupt, but we just got a quick message for you before you get on with the episode that you're listening to. And while we don't have any football right now, here at Blood Red, we have got our own transfer news to let you know about. From now on, our podcast channel will be hosted on the Global Player app. Well, what does that mean? Well, don't worry. If you listen to us on any other platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Acast, that's fine. But to get our pods quicker than anywhere else, you might want to download the Global Player app as our pods will be on there before they're released on any other player. The Global Player app is available to download on iOS and the Google Play Store or wherever it is you get your apps from. You can also find them at globalplayer.com. That's all from me. I'll let you get back on with the episode that you're expecting to hear. This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the latest podcast on the Blood Red channel with me, Matt Addison. With a few more weeks at least until the football returns, this is the latest instalment of a special series of podcasts that we're running, giving you the lowdown on the players being linked with Liverpool ahead of the summer transfer window. After our Spanish podcast, which featured the likes of Ferran Torres of Valencia and Sevilla's Diego Carlos, this episode is all about German football and there are plenty of transfer links involving the Reds and Bundesliga clubs for us to dive into. To talk all things Germany, I have alongside me Bundesliga commentator and German football expert Kevin Hatchard. Kevin, thanks for joining us and welcome to the podcast. It's great to be on the show. Before we move on to the, the main section, of course, Liverpool fans will be desperate for a, a Premier League return. And over the bank holiday weekend, we've seen that some Premier League football clubs now are, are starting to put plans into place to return to training and that sort of thing. But uh, it appears that in Germany, there are a couple of steps ahead and I've seen Bayern Munich are back in training now. What What is the situation over in Germany? Well, the situation is that all of the Bundesliga and Bundesliga 2 clubs are back in training, uh, but it's not training as we would know it. Uh, they're training in small groups, a maximum of four. There's no physical contact, no challenges. Um, it's all shooting drills, passing drills, running drills. Uh, all of the sessions are outside. Uh, they've put stringent measures in place to make sure the players are checked by doctors before those sessions. Uh, there's no use of showers allowed. The the players are having all their food uh, in bags kind of individually. So they're trying to work with doctors, trying to work with the authorities to make this work. So it's nowhere near the kind of full training that you'd need before matches, but it's a start and the Bundesliga are working towards what they hope will be a return to action at some stage in May. We've seen in, in England over the last couple of weeks, Jose Mourinho and, and Tunga and Dombele got themselves into a, a little bit of trouble for, for breaking social distancing rules and that sort of thing. I mean, the reaction, understandably, from, from some people was was very negative towards that. I mean, in Germany, has is, is the sort of regulations over social distancing been relaxed a bit more than in England? And, and how, how does that sort of work? Not at this stage, but there is talk of easing those restrictions because Germany have been testing um, on a much bigger scale than some other countries. Uh, they've managed uh, to keep uh, the mortality rate um, lower. Um, and so there is talk at the moment of relaxing those restrictions. Now, when it comes to football, 
it's a complicated picture because it's not just a top-down approach in the sense that one government edict covers the whole country. What you tend to have in Germany is a federal approach, so the various states or lender uh, will make their judgment. So what happens in Berlin might not necessarily happen in in Bavaria. It might not necessarily happen uh, in Cologne. So um, I think all of the local governments will get together at some stage to discuss what happens with the Bundesliga, because I think it is seen as important that they can try and get football back and try and get some kind of semblance of normality. And within football, they recognise that the cost of not finishing this season would be catastrophic for so many clubs. And we have seen reports in Germany that numerous clubs uh, would have to file for bankruptcy if that final chunk of TV money didn't come through. So they're trying everything they can uh, on the DFL side of things, the Bundesliga side of things, to make sure that they're ready. But they won't do anything without getting that green light from the authorities. Yeah, you you mentioned the economic importance, and and obviously that's massive for for football clubs in England as well. But I mean, what what's the reaction from the sort of general public being in Germany that sort of there's one rule for for footballers and another for everybody else? It seems. Well, I think there's a mixed picture, uh, and I think there are. They have done polls recently suggesting that not everybody thinks that the regulations in general should be relaxed. They actually think that they should be maintained to make sure that uh, the curve is flattened, if you like. Um, So not everybody's on board. There's no question about that. Obviously, people who uh, rely upon the Bundesliga economically are very keen to see it return um, because it's not just about the players. It's not just about... Um, the club bosses. It's about all of the support staff. It's about all of the uh, the people who uh, rely on games being played. Uh, you know, there are thousands of jobs that rely upon it. But yeah, you're right. Football uh, isn't unique. There are other industries that are trying to return. And so I think the Bundesliga are conscious of that. And I think they are trying to strike a very difficult balance between looking after their, their own interests in the sense of trying to come back but also not being seen to be out of step with the rest of the country. Yeah, and with that in mind, I mean, do you think there's a chance that the Premier League will follow in the footsteps of the Bundesliga and sort of be back in the next few weeks? Or how do you think that precedent has been set? I think that they will maybe see how it goes. I think, obviously, in England, it is a different situation in terms of the curve, in terms of lockdown and how far away we might be from seeing those lockdown restrictions eased. So, um I think they'll be aware of what the Germans are doing in terms of what measures they're putting in place. But it's a very difficult situation because even if, I mean, you look at the plans that there are in the Bundesliga and they're talking about coming back and having these Geisterspiel or ghost games. And what that means is there won't be any fans allowed. And you'd have fewer ball boys, for example. You'd only have a certain number of people allowed in. You'd have fewer coaches, fewer doctors. Um But if some of the players contract COVID-19, then suddenly the entire integrity of the thing starts to be damaged and starts to fall apart. So it's going to have to be very carefully done. And like everything in our lives at the moment, it's going to be a fluid situation. We just don't know um, how solid this return is is going to be. Nothing is set in stone at the moment. The target that they're working towards in Germany is May the 2nd, um, but I think that could get shunted further into May. 
in terms of the Premier League, I think they'll they'll follow similar steps. But again, as the DFL are doing, they're going to have to take their lead from the government. They're not going to be able to unilaterally plan uh, and just suddenly rock up and here we go, here's Premier League football. I just don't think that's going to work like that. Yeah, it's a really interesting uh, situation. And of course, that's something that will keep you posted with all the latest news surrounding what the Premier League does as and when that decision is made across the Liverpool Echo website and across Blood Red too. But we'll move on then to the the main section of the podcast where we're going to talk through a few players who play in the Bundesliga at the moment who are being linked with moves to Liverpool. And we might as well start with the man being linked most heavily with the Reds. And that is, of course, Timo Werner at uh, RB Leipzig. Um, his release clause reportedly expires at the end of this month. Ultimately, Liverpool are, are probably not going to be making big transfer decisions at this moment in time because of coronavirus uncertainty and that sort of thing. So do you think that puts this deal in, in real serious doubt? Not necessarily. I, I think there has been talk in Germany very recently that actually that release clause um, may well be extended because of the current situation. I think there is an acceptance from all parties um, that they want to be fair to each other in the sense that, you know, Timo Werner has done a great job for Leipzig. They don't want to keep an unhappy player, Leipzig necessarily. Got to remember why that release clause was put in. It was put in so that Werner would extend his stay at Leipzig and also be happy that he didn't feel trapped, if you like, into a deal that he wasn't happy with. So I think Leipzig were realistic about it. They knew that he would want to move on at some stage. But given the success that Leipzig have had this season, not only maintaining a title push in the Bundesliga, but also getting through to the quarterfinals of the Champions League. And of course, we don't know if the Champions League is actually going to be completed or not. But it's been a great season for them. I think Werner's learned a huge amount under Julian Nagelsmann, the, the Leipzig coach. I think he's played a different position this season. In uh, many of the games, he's played perhaps more as an attacking midfielder at times than an out-and-out striker. And I think that's really suited his game. So, you know, Werner isn't as desperate to move as perhaps he once was. I think, you know, you only have to listen to some of the interviews he's given uh, to know that he's interested in the Premier League. I think that's the move that he would most want to make if he was going to leave. The buy-in situation is interesting with him because he got to the stage, I think, where he felt he was being messed about by Bayern as they uh, pursued Leroy Sané. And it's really interesting that recently reports have emerged that, again, Bayern, having kind of flirted with the idea of going back in for Werner, uh, have now decided to redouble their efforts to sign Leroy Sané. Uh, I don't think they would sign both. So that may well give Liverpool a free hit. Uh, there's more talk as well that... Uh, Jurgen Klopp wants to meet with the player. Obviously, that's impossible at the moment, uh, given the current restrictions, um, you know, whether he could have some kind of, uh, you know, um, video contact with him, we'll see. But I think he sees it as being very important that he speaks to Werner uh, about a potential move. I, I don't think there's a doubt Liverpool are keen. And I think in terms of the money, it makes sense for Liverpool. And also, he would be a perfect fit for the way they play. I think he's realistic enough to know Werner that he wouldn't just walk straight into the starting 11. But I think he'd have to be given certain assurances that he was going to get a decent crack of the whip. Because obviously, you look at the number of games that Sadio Mane, Mo Salah and Roberto Firmino have played. 
it's a durability that's extraordinary. You know, they they miss a handful of games between them each season. And so, you know, anybody coming into that situation would really have to back themselves that they were going to be able to break into that front three. You mentioned the, the fact that they're going to have to back themselves and, you know, they're, they're going to have to be a really, really top player. I mean, first of all, do you think Werner is that player to, to come in and, and be able to, to play enough games to keep him satisfied? And, and secondly, if he is going to do that, do you think he's a versatile player who would play in, in all three of those positions? Or do you think he'd be brought in as, as a central striker? I've always felt with him that the natural position would be the one that Sadio Mane operates in down that left-hand side. Obviously, it's a fluid system. He pops up in all areas. But if you look at the way Werner plays, he likes to operate in that inside left channel. He's played a bit deeper this season. Um, He could play through the centre. He could play on the right-hand side. But he naturally drifts towards those that that inside right, uh, inside left rather, uh, position. So, um, you know, Mane would be the one maybe that he would compete with the most. But Jurgen Klopp might have other ideas. He might have seen what Werner has done for Leipzig this season and may feel uh, that there are other ways he can be used. To your question about do I think he's good enough? Absolutely, yes. Uh, I think this is a guy that has shown throughout his career that he can score goals. He has improved massively in terms of his finishing. He's shown that he's prepared to work hard on his finishing. He can be quite a spiky character at times, but I think that's because he expects a lot of himself and he expects a lot of the people around him. Um, He's happy to be vocal at times. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing in terms of his pace perfectly suited to the Premier League, perfectly suited to the way that Liverpool operate in terms of their attacking play. Uh, And I think, yeah, I think the work he's done with Julian Nagelsmann has really sharpened him up as an all-round operator. He's much more of a creator now than he was prior to working with Nagelsmann. And I think he'd be a great fit. Yeah, you you mentioned Julian Nagelsmann. And, you know, just to to go off topic for a second, I mean, he's one of the names that has been touted as a a potential Jurgen Klopp replacement at at some point down the line. Just uh, before we we move on to the rest of the players, you know, in terms of the coach, do you think think he is one that that Liverpool's hierarchy might have their eye on for, for maybe three, four years down the line? Well, hands down, I think he's the best young coach in Europe. I I think that's the that's the first thing. And I'd actually put him in the top 10 of coaches full stop uh, in terms of his ability to improve players, his ability to uh, come up with different tactical schemes. Uh, I think if you look at what he did with Hoffenheim, he took a club that was in relegation danger and he transformed them into a team that twice qualified for the Champions League, uh, a team that Liverpool played in the playoffs of the Champions League in one of those seasons and uh, were pushed uh, pretty hard by Hoffenheim Uh, at various stages in that tie. Uh, I think he's got an incredible capacity to improve players. He's got an incredible capacity to get the best out of difficult characters sometimes. He feels that social competence or man management is more important than tactical acumen, but he has those tactical tools as well. I think every top club will be looking at him Um, down the track. He's in no rush to leave Leipzig. This is only his first season. I think he sees this as a project um, for several seasons, not just one. This is a guy that's already uh, effectively turned down the chance to speak to Real Madrid in his short career. Um, So, yeah, I absolutely think Liverpool 
uh, would have him on their list if and when Jurgen Klopp decides enough's enough. Yeah, it'll be interesting to, to see if the, the timings work out and, and that could possibly be someone that Liverpool could target. But uh, moving on to the, the second player on the shortlist for, for today, and that is Jadon Sancho at Borussia Dortmund. Taking the, the coronavirus out of it for a second, we expected his price tag to be to be north of 100 million. Of course, we, we don't know with the uncertainty whether that will still be the case. But, I mean, was that... Uh, a sort of price tag that reflects the quality that, that this young winger has got? I mean, would that have been a fair price for Liverpool to potentially pay? Absolutely. Uh, this is the most exciting, I think, and I'm biased because I cover the Bundesliga all the time, but I cannot think of a more exciting young player in world football. I genuinely can't because this is a guy that's got 26 goals and 29 assists since the start of last season in the Bundesliga. He's only 20. I think uh, he would have had a terrific European Championship this summer had it been staged. And I think after that, you would have had um, a price tag that would have inflated even more. You've got to bear in mind, uh, yes, there are absolutely going to be massive changes to the transfer market given this crisis. We don't know what's going to happen at the other end. But what it doesn't change is the fact that Dortmund are under no financial pressure to sell. They uh, don't have a release clause in that contract. I think the received wisdom in Germany has been that he would move at the end of this season. Um, my feeling with him is that a move to Manchester United is perhaps more likely than a move to Liverpool. I think United would perhaps be more willing to part with that cash on one player. But I think perhaps the most important thing is that United need him and Liverpool don't. And I think with United, he'd be a transformational signing. I think he'd be already one of their top players as soon as he arrived. I think he'd be a guaranteed starter. I don't think Jurgen Klopp could say to him, given Liverpool's current situation in terms of personnel, I don't think with a straight face, Jurgen Klopp could say to him, he'd be an absolute guaranteed starter every week ahead of Mo Salah on that right-hand side. Whereas United, I think, could make that guarantee. Now, of course, what we don't know is whether United uh, will qualify for the Champions League. We don't know uh, what's going to happen uh, in any football at the moment. But if they were to qualify for the Champions League, um, I, I do think they'd be able to sell him this vision of building the team around him to some extent. And I'm not sure where Liverpool are at right now. They could do that. Now, of course, you've got the Jurgen Klopp factor. But the feeling in Germany has been recently that Liverpool are becoming less and less interested in making that deal happen at the kind of figures being quoted. United have, have been interested for a long, long time. Chelsea have been linked with him pretty strongly, and he is a boyhood Chelsea fan. Um, and a return to London or the London area, uh, you would think, would appeal. My gut feeling right now is if you were looking at two Premier League clubs who would be at the head of the queue, I would probably say Manchester United and Chelsea. It, it feels to me as though Liverpool would feel that Timo Werner might be an option with greater value given the prices that you're talking about. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. 
You mentioned there that, that Sancho would have to compete with Mohamed Salah on the right-hand side for Liverpool. I mean, I don't think anybody questions the fact that, that Salah is at a higher level right now. And of course, there's seven or eight years between them. And, and that's the reason for that. But do you think in the future, we are going to be talking about Jadon Sancho as being at that level? Does, is his ceiling at that level? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And maybe beyond. Uh, uh, you've got to you've got to remember he's 20 uh, and what he's achieved already. I mean, this is a kid that has amazing one-on-one skills. He has a great picture of what's around him. That's the most impressive thing about him. His decision-making is excellent. And that's why he gets so many assists. He's got pace. He's got consistency, which a lot of players at that age don't have. Um, He's a big game player. We've seen him in the Champions League uh, produce some really good performances. Although that's a recent development. I think he was a little bit... um, Overawed is maybe a bit harsh, but he certainly didn't bring his A game to some of the Champions League games early on for Dortmund, but he started to do that. Um, I do think he is going to be a world-class player, and I I don't think he's far off that right now. I think in a couple of seasons' time, we're talking about one of the top players in Europe. Now, going back to the, the Liverpool situation, obviously given that type of player and that huge potential and the fact that Liverpool played the system that they do, you would think that Liverpool would go hell for leather and try and sign him. But as I say, the feeling in Germany, the mood music has been recently that Manchester United are perhaps leading that race um, and, and Liverpool maybe have, have kind of lost a bit of interest in in trying to put in the resources that would be required to get that deal done. Just for, for anybody who maybe hasn't seen as much of, of Sancho as they have with Werner in Champions League matches and stuff like that, I mean, is he stylistically similar to Mohamed Salah or is there a different player that you might compare him to in, in terms of the way that he plays? No, I th- well, he, I think he would operate in that similar position. Um uh, his his goal scoring has improved. There's no question about that. But he, he isn't scoring the volumes that Salah is. But then you look at the transformation that there's been in Salah's game since he arrived at Liverpool. He was he was a goal scorer, but not in the kind of volumes that he's produced for Liverpool. I think one of the things that was attractive about Salah before he joined Liverpool was his work without the ball. He will press. He will, you know, you look at his stats in Serie A for Roma, for example. He was one of the top forwards in terms of interceptions per game. And I think he works harder without the ball than Sancho does. But that's something that could be developed. I don't think there's a there's a question of that. So in terms of pace, they're similar in terms of uh, the position that they play in. Um, uh, but I, I, I think they're, they're a little bit different in how they approach things. But that wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. No, it'd be, uh, be nice for Liverpool to have a slightly different option in those forward players. And uh, another player that's been linked is a player that Jurgen Klopp knows very, very well indeed. And that is, of course, Mario Götze. Those links resurfacing over the last sort of seven or eight days or so. And he's been linked with Liverpool now for some time, but it's never happened. For me, this makes absolutely no sense for this to happen right now. It's an interesting one because he's available on a free transfer at the end of the season. Uh, he's definitely leaving Borussia Dortmund. It would be a huge shock for for that to change now. He's a player that Jurgen Klopp has always loved. He's a player that Klopp worked with at the very start of his career when we saw the best of Mario Goetze, I think, really, um, where, when Dortmund were at the peak of their powers under Klopp. Uh, he was devastated when 
Gertz's release clause was activated by Bayern and he made that move um, across to Bavaria. Um, he has been very, very interested in signing him before and Goetze wasn't quite 100% on that move and it didn't quite happen. This is a different scenario, but again... Goethe would have to be aware that he wouldn't necessarily be a guaranteed starter. And that's not to say that he can't push his way into the team. I think if you look at somebody like Jadon Shakiri, he's got a bit of an X factor. He is a lavishly gifted player. And we've seen games with Shakiri, the Manchester United game, for example, where he has performed terrifically well and pulled out those pieces of magic from nowhere. He has had injury problems and he hasn't ever really been able to convince Jurgen Klopp that he should be a name in that starting eleven. If he was to leave, I think that would leave a gap for that kind of X-factor player, that kind of guy who has that lavish skill but you wouldn't necessarily rely upon them to play 30 games a season so that's uh, possibly an interesting void that Goetze could fill I think a lot of it comes down to Goetze's expectations not just in terms of wages but in terms of playing time if he wants to go to a club where he's going to be a guaranteed starter Liverpool is not the place for him But if he wants to link up with a coach that he knows trusts him, that he knows believes in him, and that he knows has got the best out of him in the past, then Liverpool's an option that he should consider. You you mentioned that it it might not be so unlikely that he considers coming to Liverpool. But I mean, just in terms of his his Dortmund career, obviously, he went to Bayern and then returned. From the outside, at least, it doesn't seem to have gone perfectly well he doesn't seem to have got the game time that he would have wanted do you think that there's a chance that he might look at Liverpool and think well it's going to go a similar way to how it's gone at Dortmund where I'm not going to play as much and and that might put him off potentially yeah possibly Uh, as I say only he knows you know what he really wants from his next move and I think the interesting thing about him is that we have seen flashes of brilliance at Dortmund in that second spell but he had this metabolic disorder which set him back massively um you know any kind of illness like that for a professional footballer which effectively changes your body is going to be really difficult to deal with and also a guy that reached the peak you know, scoring the winning goal in a World Cup final for your country. Once you've done that, where do you go? So that was, you know, six years ago. And that I think mentally that's been a tough thing to deal with because once you've done that, uh, that's then hard to, to make the next step. So I think at Dortmund, he's been a bit unfortunate in the sense that every time it looked as though he was going to get a run in the team. Somebody else just nipped in ahead of him. So it was Paco Alcacer for a while. Uh, now Erling Haaland's gone in there. So that opportunity to play in a kind of false nine position is no longer really there for him. So, yeah, I think he does want to leave Germany. I think he does want a fresh challenge. Um, and he has to make that judgment whether a move to Liverpool would be what he wants. And we don't know how high up Liverpool's list he would be. The one thing I would say is that Liverpool were very strongly linked with Max Cruiser before he made the move to Turkish football from Werder Bremen. And I think what that shows you is that Jurgen Klopp is really interested in having at least one or two of those guys that are unpredictable, that have that X factor that you don't quite know what they're going to do. I'd put, 
uh, Roberto Firmino in that category. You know, he's got those tricks and flicks, but along with that, there is a consistency. And I think the likes of Cruiser and Goetze have that. They are potential match winners. Yes, yeah, certainly. Uh, it will be interesting to see where a player who was once a rising star of German football ends up this summer. But the rising star at the moment, I think it would be fair to say, is Kai Havertz at Bayer Leverkusen. And he's another one who's been linked with a, a potential £100 million plus move to Anfield. I asked you the question before of Jaden Sancho, was that a fair price tag for him? The same question here, is Havertz a £100 million player? A few weeks ago, I'd have said yes. Um, uh, in the market pre-coronavirus, um, yes. Because, again, a very young player, but a young player who's learnt a lot and packed a lot in and has become the leading player for a top four club in Germany already. He's the one they look to. He's the one that they build the team around. He is uh, a tall but very graceful player. He's got great awareness of what's around him. I think the only reason his form really dipped before Christmas was because he was knackered, plain and simple. He'd, he'd run himself into the ground. He played so much football for a young player. And I think he himself recognised that that was the case. So I think the winter break came at a good time for him. And the form that we saw post-Christmas was outstanding. And that was more like the Kai Havertz that we used to seeing. Um, the Liverpool thing is interesting because my feeling with him and Liverpool has always been he doesn't quite fit. I, I don't necessarily think he fits in a front three that Liverpool play in terms of, I mean, he's not slow. Havertz is quick. Despite the fact he's tall, he is quick. Um, is he lightning fast like Mane? Is he direct uh, like Mane and Salah in the way that they are? No, not quite. Could you play him as a, as a central forward in the way that Firmino does? Maybe has the skill set to do that, but I don't think you get the best out of him if he does that. And if you look at Liverpool's midfields, section as good as they are technically they're all fairly functional you know you look at a guy like Naby Keita for example who is a very positive passer and somebody who likes the ball in his feet and likes to take people on he's a bit out of step with some of the rest of them if you like so he might be a fit in that midfield three if Liverpool were prepared to change tack slightly but in the current way they play I'm not sure he is the perfect fit. Interesting comments from him recently. A lot of people have felt for a long time that a move to Bayern would be automatic. I don't think that's necessarily the case. And he has said recently that he's up for a new challenge and that includes a club abroad. Um, I think he's a player that all the top clubs in Europe will be interested in. And I include the likes of Barcelona and Real Madrid in that because he is a potentially generational talent. The Liverpool thing will be fascinating, because as I say, and I'm not the only one who thinks this in, in kind of Bundesliga circles, is he a perfect fit for Liverpool? I'm not quite sure he is. Yeah, you mentioned he's not quite the perfect fit. I mean, I, I asked you the same question of Sancho again. You know, what, what sort of player is he? Who would you compare him to for, for people who've maybe not seen as much of him as, as you have? Uh, I mean... A lot of people in Germany have compared. He's had a lot of really kind of 
he's had the bar set high. He's been compared as a, as a mix of Lothar Mateus and Mikhail Balak, which is high praise indeed. I mean, he likes to he likes to surge forward from midfield and link with the forwards. He can play in wide areas, but I think sometimes he's a bit wasted there. Uh, I think he's good when he operates in what Jurgen Klopp would call the half spaces, those kind of old-fashioned inside left and inside right channels. He needs that freedom, I think, which is where I think Liverpool might struggle in terms of allowing him to roam because whereas the, the front three is fluid for Liverpool, they do have defined jobs and it is about... You know, you hear this a lot from the coaching staff at Liverpool. It's about uh, rehearsed patterns and it's about making that look free-flowing and making it look off the cuff, whereas actually it's anything but. I think Havertz with those kind of strictures would not be quite the same player. I might well be wrong about that. You know, once Jurgen Klopp got hold of him, it might be a totally different ball game. But the player that I've seen, I think, needs that freedom to pop up wherever and do damage in a lot of different ways. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned the freedom and, and the rigidity of the system because a player that perhaps didn't quite fit that when he played for Liverpool was, of course, Felipe Coutinho, who's since moved away to Barcelona and then spent this season on loan at Bayern Munich. And I think it would be remiss of me not to ask you about the fortunes of, of the Brazilian because Liverpool fans still, you know, two and a half years after he departed, are, are still interested in, in how well or perhaps how not so well he's been doing of late. And what's the, the sort of latest with him? I mean, it, it doesn't look like Bayern Munich are, are going to sign him permanently, does it? I don't think they were ever going to sign him permanently because the, 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 the clause was set uh, very, very high, well over a hundred million. And I think Bayern felt that it was an expedient signing at the time. He was a guy that could do a good job for them in the short term. And you look at the role that James Rodriguez played, and it's similar in that they had the option to sign him, but they didn't. And I think it would have taken something truly exceptional from Coutinho to actually convince them to part with that kind of cash. He's done well. He has scored goals. He has made goals. We have seen games where he's performed uh, in the way that Liverpool fans would remember. Is he in their best 11? No, I don't think he is. And I, I think if uh, you, you always kind of think if a team played a Champions League final tomorrow, would that player be in the starting 11? And he would not be in that starting 11. I think if you look at the form that Thomas Muller has shown, I, I think that's edged him out a little bit. Uh, Hansi Flick, uh, Getting the the coach's job, I think, has has kind of further edged him out in the sense that he, he's just not seen as a player that they need. He's a, he's a nice to have, and he I think has made a really nice impact in the sense that he's a great guy. I think he's settled in Munich to the extent that the players really like him. There's a a real willingness, I think, for some of those players for him to do well. Uh, so he's a popular guy. It's it's not as if he's you know been marginalised in any way. But I just don't think he's seen as somebody um, that Bayern absolutely need and certainly not at those figures. Yeah, I mean, we understand that, that Liverpool are not interested in him either. I mean, what do you think is the most likely scenario? Do you think it's almost a given now that he's going to come back to the Premier League, maybe with a Chelsea or, or someone like that? Uh, I think with everything being in flux in the way that it currently is, Barcelona, we know, need to raise money. 
there's no there's no question about that you know they have sunk an enormous amount of money into their wage bill uh it has emerged recently just what dire straits they potentially could be in if they don't start raising some money it was his dream move that's why he left liverpool uh, and it hasn't worked out and i think the the difficult thing about coutinho i think is that they don't really know where to play him i think a lot of clubs have never really worked out what his best position is i think barcelona had visions of him being an iniesta type and i just don't think he's that i think he he has to play further forward he has to operate um you know we talked about timo werner operating in that inside left channel and coming in and doing damage i think similar to that kind of role i think he needs to be further forward to do a bit of damage and so he's going to be quite a specific fit for somebody. He has had massive success in the Premier League with Liverpool. It's about where the clubs need him and they will have looked at his form in the last couple of years and will think, well, are we prepared to sink in the kind of money that we would need to, to sign him? So it's going to depend on how much Barcelona lower his price tag by, but I don't think they can afford to do it by that much. No, it's uh, an interesting situation and uh, we will, of course, keep you updated with everything Coutinho transfer related and all of those players that we've discussed today. And I think that will just about do us for this episode of the Blood Red podcast. So thank you very much for joining me, Kevin. Thanks a lot. Much appreciated. And thanks to you at home too for listening. Don't forget to like, subscribe and review us wherever you get your podcasts from. And we will be back shortly with more content as we edge closer to some live action returning. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.